This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Welcome to Red or Dead, a bi-weekly podcast where we talk about the world of mysteries and thrillers. This is episode 155, and we are recording on Sunday, June 11th. I'm Katie McLean Horner, along with Kendra Winchester, and we are coming to you from Book Riot. Hi, Kendra. How are you doing on this Sunday? We don't usually record in the middle of the weekend, but <laughs> here we are. I'm doing all right. It's raining today, and my spouse is here because it's he has today off. And so if you hear the corgis in the background, my apologies. They're not used to being out of their crates while we record. Yes, and on my end, if you happen to hear a meowing in the background, that is my cat, Dini, who is not used to being locked out of the office where I record in the middle of the day. He likes to sit and look out the windows and and sleep in the office chair, and he is very upset that he can't <laughs> do that right now. So They really like routine. You know? Yeah, they like they like routine. They don't like being told no. <laughs> I think it's also is also a factor, and it's very difficult because Dini is so cute, and he's like this this chonky black and white cat, and he has this like delicate little high pitched meow, and it's so cute. <laughs> I'm like, I can't say no to you, but I have to because you're going to make too much noise if I let you in. (laughs) Yeah, they have their opinions. And Dylan does the little tippity taps. Gwenlian doesn't really care as much. Dylan, the office is like, we call it his room because he would prefer to sleep here at night because he's. we say he's an independent boy. He doesn't want to sleep in the same room as his parents. But (laughs) how dare I be in his room and lock him out of his own room? Yeah, it's I mean, it's really amazing when you have pets, especially pets that are allowed, you know, at least some free roam of the house, how how quickly it becomes that they're the ones who actually run the show. And the rest of us are just living in their world. Yes. And you know, sometimes people feel like, oh, but they're spoiled. And I'm like, I know. And they're like, you're gonna ruin them. I'm like, no, they're not human children. Yeah, nope. There's nope, you never. Yeah, cats are cats and dogs cannot be too spoiled. I mean, also, I set myself, I I look at, I had two, or both of my grandparents, or my, my grandfathers, both of my grandfathers were big animal lovers, and both of them went to ridiculous lengths with some of their pets. Like, when my mom's dad was alive, he had three cats, who my parents ended up taking in after he passed away. And my mom said she would go over to the house, he would be sitting in a folding chair while the three other cats each sat individually in one of the nice cushy recliners <laughs> and he would just be sitting on a folding chair in the living room watching TV and my mom's like you could move them and he was like well no they were there first <laughs> so i'm like i will at least relocate the cats if i'm like if gilbert takes my seat on the couch when you know we're watching a baseball game and i get up to use the bathroom if i come back and he's in my seat i will move him <laughs> so that that is hilarious the the corgis have their own spot on the couch, so thankfully, they only take mine when they're trying to sneak onto the heating pad, 
because they love the heating pad. Mm-hmm. Even if it's off, they they still try. They're like, maybe <laughs> maybe it'll turn on. So they're they're entertaining. They've been hanging out with me as I've had like a bit of a marathon audiobook weekend so far, listening to a bunch of things. One of which I will be talking about today. One of them is all the sinners bleed, but everyone already knows I love that one. So you know, I I could have chosen it. It is amazing, but it's not. But just I've chose something else. So everyone has more. We're broaden we're broadening our our own horizons. I'm trying. <laughs> Oh my goodness. So what have you been reading? Uh, nothing. Um, <laughs> no, it's my my weeks, especially during the work week, just fall into a pattern of like, okay, I'm at work, I'm on, my brain is running at like 130% using up all the spoons. And then I come home and it's like a switch turns off and I'm like, that's it. <laughs> I can't do anything. And I'm either watching TV or I'm playing a video game. So it has not been a great week for reading, although I do have lots of books that I've been, I'm like, oh, I do want to read that again, or I, oh, I haven't gotten to that one, I forgot about that. So I'm working my way, my, my way up to it, but yeah, just, I have, I have been dealing with a, with a severe lack of spoons for a long time, and just, if anyone's not aware of that metaphor, it's, I don't remember who first created it, but it's a way to describe when you have a limited number of mental resources that you can allocate to different activities in your life. And then, and it just becomes a way of kind of visualizing when you're like, hey, I don't have the bandwidth or the mental, the mental capacity to deal with this right now. So yeah, it's from the chronic illness community, because the person who created it has lupus. Oh, okay. I'm glad you remember that. It just, it's become kind of like... In the yeah the chronic illness community or the mental the mental health community it's 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 become so ubiquitous but yeah no I I have been I've been dealing with a severe spoon shortage recently so we'll get there you know but at least we can we still have great books to talk about there's so of many course. out there in the world and today's theme is very exciting yes but yes we have a lot to talk about today. Yes, we do. And so with that, let's go ahead and take a quick pause for our first sponsor. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Okay, so as we mentioned at the top of the show, we talk about mysteries and thrillers and suspense and anything that falls under that ginormous suspenseful umbrella. So whether you're looking for discussions of 
subgenre different subgenres because there are so many of them in the mystery and suspense publishing world. Author read-alikes, discussion of adaptations, true crime news, award news, anything along those lines. If it's mysterious and suspenseful, it is probably fair game for us to talk about. And because there is so there are so many different things to talk about, this is the part of the episode where we always put out a call to our lovely listeners, whether you have been with us for the whole journey or whether you're a new listener. We always put out a call to our listeners at this part of the show to let us know if you have any suggestions for topics for us to talk about on future episodes. We really, truly do use so many of these ideas to plan out our future recordings. It's a great way for us to know what you, the listeners, would like to hear more of. It's a great way for us to expand our own reading horizons. It's worked out really, really well over the years, and we get such fantastic suggestions. So if you do have any ideas, you can shoot us an email or reach out to us via social media. We're going to have all of our contact information at the end of the show and in the show notes, so don't worry about trying to get it down right now. We just put out the call ahead of time to get those juices flowing while you listen to the episode. And also, even if you don't have an idea and you just want to say hi, that's also fantastic. We love hearing from our listeners. It makes us very happy to know that people still want to put our voices in their ears every two weeks. It's very validating. (laughs) So feel free to leave us a note if you feel so inclined. And if you enjoy this podcast, uh, hop on over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a review so that other people can find us. Awesome. And before we jump into the news, we also wanted to tell you about The Deep Dive, which is a bi-weekly newsletter from the folks at Book Riot, where this podcast is from. So if you're looking for fascinating stories, informed takes, useful advice, and more uh, drawn from the collective experience as power readers, teachers, librarians, booksellers, and bookish professionals, this is for you. It will, it's, again, it's a bi-weekly newsletter, so it will hit your inbox and uh, you'll be able to look into these like more in-depth topics around books and publishing, etc. So you can go over and check out the different uh, member levels at bookriot.substack.com. And of course, that'll be linked in the show notes as well. And when I first heard about this, the, some of the examples of things that they, that are discussed in the in the newsletter, like reading trackers, um, like that someone did a uh, deep dive into Mexican history using the book uh, like Water for Chocolate as a framework. I'm like, oh my god, that's really cool. And then there's a deep dive into the state of scratch and sniff publishing, which is a thing, and I didn't realize it was a thing. And now that I know it's a thing, I want to know everything about it. So if you enjoy odd rabbit holes, <laughs> this could be a really great resource for you. All right, so in terms of news, not a ton happening, but the 2023 International Thriller Writer Awards were announced on Saturday, June 3rd, so just just a week ago. And uh, while these awards aren't as, you know, they're, they're not, you know, they're, they don't have quite the same, the same level as like the Edgar Awards, they're not quite as extensive, but they are still um, very prominent awards for mystery and suspense writers. And what's really cool is that all of the winners for the different like specific categories, not including like Lifetime Achievement Awards or anything like that, they were all... 
uh, all of the winners were women. And I think in a broader sense, well, A, that's just really cool. But B, I think it really shows how like mystery and thriller publication is evolving or the publishing world is evolving because, I mean, if you think back maybe like 15 years ago or, you know, farther back, the I mean, and these writers are still, most of them are still going today, but you think mystery and thrillers, you think the Michael Connellys, the James Pattersons, John Sanford, David Baldacci, Stuart Woods, I mean, I could just go on and on. Robert Parker, Tom Clancy. It was really dominated by these these very uh, prolific male authors. And I would wager a guess. I mean, I could I could be totally off, but I have a feeling that this shift from uh, dominated by male authors to female authors, I think that my guess is this really, like, if you had to point to a certain point, I would say 2012 when Gone Girl was published. I think that really opened the door for more, um, well, it certainly opened the door for a wide range of psychological thrillers, for sure. But I think that's when we started seeing a lot more women authors entering, you know, entering the the publishing world and writing more mysteries and thrillers. We I've seen a number of authors who started, you know, started writing romance and now and then moved to, you know, full on, you know, th- thrillers and police procedurals and stuff like that. Like I think there's there's just been over the last decade or so just a huge just a huge rush of of women authors and that's being reflected right now and I think that's really really cool. Yeah, it is. That is nice to see. And yeah, I think I, I think you're right. I think Gone Girl really did that and then The Girl on the Train that and that was like a bestseller for like ages. So it's really interesting to see to see the change over the years. Yeah, and I will uh well over the last well, four plus years now, that's how long I've been um, at my current library where I order for adult fiction. I have had more older male patrons come to me and complain that we're not pu- that we're not purchasing enough books by male authors. And so I'm like, oh boy. <laughs> and they're usually interested in mysteries and thrillers. And I'm like, well, who are you interested in? And they start rattling off these authors. I'm like, okay, first off, those are the authors I buy first because I know that they're very popular. Um, So I'm like, they're probably checked out right now. But, you know, I'm also like, look, I can't, you know, I I buy a range of subgenres. And I'm, I'm like, look, I have a limited budget. I can't buy everything. I try to buy as as diverse, a, a as wide a range of voices and stories as I can. I can take purchase requests if you're not finding what you're looking for. But I'm also like, I can't just make books. I can't, just can't conjure books out of thin air. I'm like, this is what's being published. Like, I don't know what to tell you. Maybe you could try reading a book written by a woman. Maybe. Shocker. I know. <laughs> I'm like, you might surprise yourself. <laughs> I mean, that's that's edgy. That's just so progressive, reading a book by a woman. I'm not sure I'm not sure they'll be able to handle it. I don't know. I might start have to pulling out a fainting couch for them <laughs> every time I suggest it. I mean, these these older gentlemen are going to have to wear pearls just, <laughs> just so, so they, they can, can clutch them. them. Like <laughs> Oh, boy. But yeah, so some of the winners for these awards, best hardcover novel went to Sundial by Catriona Ward, who writes 
she's definitely a horror crossover author. Um, and I have not read Sundial, but um, I'm my understanding of, of the last few books she's published, there's definitely a horror crossover there. Best audiobook went to Things We Do in the Dark by Jennifer Hillier. I was very excited about Best First Novel, which was The Resemblance by Lauren Nossett, which I mentioned a few months ago was the book that got me through the four and a half hour wait at the car rental agency when we traveled to California a few months ago. I sat on the cold linoleum floor and read about two thirds of the book, and that got me got me through without killing anyone. So that book has a very special place in my heart. And even though it was not awarded Best First Novel for those reasons... In my heart, they were. <laughs> <laughs> that is really funny. Yeah, yeah. No, that that will forever be a very special book for very odd reasons. <laughs> but it is a very good book, and you should read it. You know what gets us through? Like, well, well, today we have a lot of great books to talk about. Are, are you ready to talk about this week's theme? I am ready. And just as a quick side note, as always, we will have the Thriller Writer, the link to the International Thriller Writer Awards uh, in the show notes so you can click through, see all the winners, see all the nominees, and pick up some fantastic books written by women. But yes, let's jump in. Because I, I know that this topic is very near and dear to your heart. <laughs> yes. So June is audiobook month. And so this episode, we are focusing on audiobooks, which I am very, very, again, very excited for. I think that mystery, thriller, and horror books, uh, they can be a challenge to read because you want to create that suspense, but you don't want to like overperform the book. So people who are able to strike that balance, I think are very valuable narrators for sure. Yeah, and I'm, um, I know in the past we've done audiobook episodes before, and I may have asked you this question in a previous episode, but like, are there any like narrator qualities that can, that either like really make a book for you or that can really break a book for you? It really depends on what kind of book it is, because there are two veins of thought for audiobook narrators. Um, one is that you want the narrator to like fade into the background as much as possible. And people who prefer those don't really like a performance. They just like basically someone reading the book. But that is tends to be the minority of folks who love audiobooks. Most people love a well-performed audiobook, a narrator that strikes a balance of creating that atmosphere and suspense, keeping, you know, the emotional depth there with the characters, but not overdoing it. So for me, I think you really, especially if it's first person, you have to be able to like embody the narrative voice. And so that the narrator kind of fades into the background and you all you hear is this, this character. And so I chose one book ba really just based on that. And another one, which I chose another book on, I really think it's important that when you have marginalized communities that you also have a narrators that are from those marginalized communities. So that's really something important to keep in mind as well. Yeah, I definitely agree with you on both points. And yeah, for me, I know if I'm paying, noticing or paying too much attention to like how the narrator is reading something where if, like that's what I'm focusing on, then I'm like, okay, this isn't a great match. Like it's taking me, it's taking me out of the story. It's, I, I'm, I like what you said where, you know, you want to perform but you want the narrator to fade into the background because what you're hearing is the character. And I think 
like for me, Tana French's audiobooks, the narrators for those audiobooks are just unbelievable at embodying the characters and making you like you're you're in the story. It's very immersive. But sometimes I will be like I would I remember I can't remember the which short story it was, but I listened to a short story or novella collection on audio by Stephen King and one of the stories it was a very brutal survival story, but the narrator's voice was so high-pitched and almost childlike for narrating a grown, you know, a, a character who is a grown woman who was, you know, was sheltered and stuff. But it was such a mismatch. I couldn't get into the story because I was so distracted by the narration. I'm like, this was not a good fit. So when I can just fall into the story and not think about the mechanics and just listen to the performance, that is excellent. And one of the things that I've found with a couple of audiobooks I've listened to, if the author is doing the... I'm very particular about when an author does the voice of a character of a different gender, whether it's uh, a male narrator doing a female character or vice versa. Some people can do it well. They can... They can get it with just a slight change in cadence or intonation, and other times it is just comical. I have also run into narrators who have to do a different accent. It's usually like British trying to do an American accent, and sometimes it works well, and other times I'm just like, oh, no, no, that's that's not that good. <laughs> um, so, yeah, those, those are a couple, of, a couple of things that take me out of it. Yeah, and, and like... Yeah, if a male narrator cannot, like, if they can't do a female character without making their voice all, like, high-pitched, and I'm just like, no. (laughs) Dude, no. Yeah, there are a lot of different kinds of narrators with different strengths. And I think, you know, just because you have a great narrator, they also need to be cast for, for an audiobook. It needs to be a good pairing. I have listened to some great narrators who... I just don't think the book fit for them. Mm -hmm. And that doesn't mean they're not talented or incredible at their job. It's just like casting, you know, a a role for film or TV. You want the right casting. You want the right pairing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I totally, I totally agree. So you ready, ready to jump in? Let's jump in. I want to hear your first pick. All right. So one of the books that I've really enjoyed over the last few years is For Your Own Good by Samantha Downing. And that is performed by David Pitou. And this is a, like if you're a teacher and you like mysteries and thrillers, I think this is going to be way up your alley. So you basically have this guy, Teddy Crutcher, who is a very well-honored, awarded teacher from this very prestigious boarding, well, I guess it's just a private school. So he won Teacher of the Year. And so you learn all this about him, but we are in his narrative point of view. And we learn pretty quickly that he hates everyone at that school. He hates his coworkers. He hates his students. He hates every single person. And so he has decided to find ways to secretly poison one of his coworkers by injecting poison into a K-cup. Uh, <laughs> and uh, he accidentally overdoes it. And <laughs> anyway, so it is really dark, really funny, I love thrillers from the villain's point of view. I love a good villain protagonist. And so it's basically him trying to cover up one murder by other things. So I don't want to give any spoilers. Let me tell you, it is amazing. 
I laughed so, so hard. And at the time that I read it, Robert Downey Jr. had optioned the book and he would perform Teddy Crutcher. And I'm like, yes, yes, that is the perfect casting. <laughs> it is absolutely amazing. Have you listened to this book? I haven't, but I wish you could see my face right now. I have just <laughs> mentally shot this one up to the top of my reading list. Oh my gosh, that sounds amazing. It is. I, I think I listened to it in one sitting. Uh, just because David Pursue does a great job of capturing that narrative voice, he embodies that character. So I do not hear him. I hear uh, Teddy Crutcher talk about how much he hates his coworkers, how much he hates the privileged kids that attend his school, and it's just phenomenal. I and I love that. I love rooting for a villain that's well written. I think. Sometimes heroes are just super boring. And I just want, you know, like, that's why I love Disney villains. Mm -hmm. Because I just, I don't know, I just think that's a really interesting take on stories. So I really love what this book did. And so if you're looking for a book to like sweep you away, if you're a teacher and, and you've had frustrations with your coworkers, you might enjoy this. You've had a rough year. <laughs> As most teachers have, so maybe I feel like this is a very dark and twisted version of Abbott Elementary, but for high school. Oh my gosh, I have uh, one of my best friends. Uh, well, actually, I have a few best friends that teach, um, but one in particular um, who who really likes um, mysteries and thrillers and has listened to the podcast before and has taken some of my suggestions. As soon as we finish recording, I am going to text her and be like, "Hey, you might want to put this on your reading list." Yes. Oh my god. <laughs> yes, for sure. So folks definitely need to check out For Your Own Good by Samantha Downing, and that is performed by David Patu. And what's your first pick? Uh, well, before we jump into the first pick, I'm going to take a quick pause for our second sponsor. Okay, so I am actually going to flip the order of in which I was going to talk about my audiobooks because my this pick I think dovetails very nicely with yours in terms of it being a very darkly funny thriller. And we're going into the way, way back machine for this one. This is Darkly Dreaming Dexter by Jeff Lindsay and the narrated by Nick Landrum. Now, I mention this because um, I listened to this book... Not quite 10 years ago, I don't think. Um, but it, w it, was a w it was a while ago. And when I was looking, like just today, pulling up the links for the different books that I was going to be talking about, I kept coming across, I was like, who's the narrator? And they all said, Jeff Lindsay, the author. And I was like, I don't think I read, I listened to that version. Because I'm like, I don't remember a ton of specifics. But I'm like, I feel like I... I usually remember when it's like the author reading the book. Um, and sometimes that can work really well. Sometimes it doesn't. But I was like, was there an earlier version? Like, were these re-recorded? And, and so I believe, I'm about 95% sure that the version I listened to was the recorded books version uh, narrated by Nick Landrum. So I mentioned that so because if you run if you run out and download this audiobook and listen to the one narrated by the author, I have not listened to that one. I don't know how well it how well it stacks up. I you know, I, I have no idea how that one uh, turns out. The one narrated by Nick Landrum was amazing. I also mentioned this because 
I was told that because this is a series of books, he only Nick Landrum only narrates, I think, maybe the first three or four books. And after that, it's a different narrator. I was told that by librarians who had been working for longer than I had, and they had patrons who came back after like the fourth or fifth book was released. And they're like, the narrator's different, like it's the librarian's fault. So I also throw that out there in case you want to do a deep dive into the series with the recorded books versions. It may, you know, at some point the narrators change. But the first book, narrated by Nick Landrum, was fantastic. So um, I also wanted to mention that I have had not and have not seen much of the TV show. I've seen the first couple of episodes but nothing beyond that. Whereas my husband had, he read the book after seeing most of the series and was kind of like, well, it was good, but he wasn't like blown away by it. So I, I mentioned that, that that may affect your reaction to the book if you're mostly familiar with the TV show. Anyway, all of that said, if you are not super familiar with the premise, Dexter Morgan he is the main character. He works in the Miami Police Department as a blood spatter expert, and he is also a serial killer. However, he ha- his one rule is that he only kills bad people. He doesn't go and murder innocent bystanders. He He uses his job to track down the people who are killing innocent people, and then he tortures and kills them. So he's... <laughs> While he's not, he is not engaging in any activity we can, uh, we can condone, in any sense of the word. He is a, he is, and he's an ethical serial killer. I guess we can, <laughs> if that is a thing, he, that's what he is. <laughs> yeah, and then he starts in the first book. He starts investigating a series of crimes that actually have a very striking similarity to how he kills bad people. And he's like, hmm, this is odd. (laughs) And so he is, so he's now trying to figure out, okay, who is this? What do they know? And also going back and forth between, you know, being like questioning himself, questioning, like he's like feeling flattered and but also like, hey, wait a minute, like what's going on here? So there's some complicated feelings going on. But what I loved about the narration is I think it can be very hard to nail down or to get humor. Like when we talk about audiobooks being a performance, I think humor can be a very, and timing can be a very, very key to the success of an audiobook. And the version I listened to, it was hilarious. Like, I was literally listening to this in my car by myself, laughing out loud (laughs) to no one, because it was so darkly amusing. (laughs) I also listened to it after um, I was drawing some parallels to the TV show Hannibal, specifically the TV version of Hannibal, because that also has some some dark humor and the way Mads Mikkelsen plays Hannibal Lecter is 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 very funny in some ways. And the overall writing style, I said it, it feels like CSI meets Carl Hyacin, partially because it's set in Florida, but it's very madcap and just just absurd. But also you're like, you know what, I'm going along with this because this is ridiculous and entertaining. 
It was a lot of fun. It's a short listen. It's under 10 hours. And yeah, it, I really, really enjoyed listening to it. And it was one that I was thinking about uh, re-listening to again for this episode, but didn't get around to it. But it's still one that I have on my reread or re-listen list because I enjoyed it so much, you know, seven or eight years ago, however long ago that was. But um, have you read or listened to any of the Dexter books? I haven't. I haven't. I've seen a few episodes of the TV series, but I haven't read or listened to any of the books. Yeah. And with series, I know sometimes series can kind of (laughs) jump the shark, so to speak. Um, So I don't know how the rest of the series plays out. But the first book I can attest to is was hysterical, and uh, yeah. So if you're if you're looking to hop back in the in the in the way back machine, and or even if you've never uh, watched the show or but just kind of want to be you know curious about what what all the 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 Dexter hype is about, um, definitely give a listen to Darkly Dreaming Dexter by Jeff Lindsay. And if you want to listen to the version that I did. Um, you'll want to read the recorded books version uh, read by Nick Landrum. Awesome. All right. So taking a a hard right turn into young adult, my next pick is Warrior Girl on Earth by Angeline Bully, and that is performed by Isabella Starla Blanc. So uh, Angeline Bully is an Anishinaabe, and so she writes about um, her community on Sugar Island, in these fictional novel, fictional novels, my stars, Kendra, <laughs> in her novels, her young adult novels. And so her first novel was Firekeeper's Daughter, which is about Don- Donis. And so that happened about six years ago in this book. So six years have passed. We now go to uh, Donis's cousin, Perry Firekeeper Birch. And Perry is also a member of her tribe, but is also uh, her grandmother was black. And so she is a darker skinned indigenous person. And so there's an added layer of uh, racism and colorism that happening that she experiences in her community. So we start out with the summer like stretching before Perry and her twin uh, sister Pauline. And her sister Pauline She's a goody two shoes, right? She wants to go to this prestigious school. She wants the best internship. You know, Perry just wants to fish on Sugar Island. She is not interested in being an intern at all. But what happens is, is that she wrecks her car and so she has to pay back um her her aunt Donna's. They call her aunt, even though they're cousins, just because the age difference. So she has to pay back Aunt Donna's. And uh so she has to get an internship. She gets placed at their uh, nation's um, historical like museum and culture center. And quickly she finds out that the museum and culture center is going to try to get the local u- this local university to give back the human remains of members of their nation. And so the crime aspect of this is actually a crime that happened because of the United States government. In 1990, a law passed where uh, universities had to return the remains of human remains to different Native nations, and they had to do an inventory, and then based on the inventory return, but there was like a loophole where you could get more time. So even though 24 years have passed, 
when this takes place in 2014, um, the local university still has a lot of the human remains. And so it's a very, like I said uh, words I cannot say on this podcast out loud a lot because it's like, it doesn't surprise me that the government did this, but it's still horrifying as it should be. And so Perry decides that she wants to, there's a particular skeleton of a young uh, indigenous woman who that has been kept in one piece. And apparently at that university, they would take different body parts and put them in one box. So like all the finger bones or whatever. So they would disassemble all of these people, which obviously is horrifying, and put them in random boxes, like banana boxes in their storage. So I thought that this was really interesting because the crime is a crime that the government has done against indigenous peoples. And there's um, there's other crime elements that I don't want to give any spoilers for. But um, yeah, it's really, I, I thought this was a very good take and kind of turned a crime novel on its head that you're kind of, you're looking at it from a different perspective. So just, of course, trigger warning for violence against indigenous peoples in this book. Um, there are some descriptions of the different things that the universities are holding um, in their collections or what people are selling on eBay, of all things. Mm-hmm. Um, so just as a heads up for people going into the book, but I feel like uh, Bully did a great job handling such a, a difficult topic. Wow, yeah. Um, and funny enough, I was just, I can't remember the specifics, but I was just reading something on Twitter about something regarding museums practices in terms of how they store, display, manage uh, the custody of human remains and all of the issues with that. So I was like, wow, this is surprisingly timely with my with my internet activities. But that's yeah, that sounds like fascinating and horrifying. And it's one of those things where it's like, yeah, it's fiction, but is it (laughs) like, yeah, that's that's when you when you mentioned how they would just disassemble these people's remains and then just like group a bunch of people into you know one container basically i was like like i visibly flinched i'm like oh my god i know nothing about museum practices or anything along those lines and i'm like that is horrible yes it it is horrific and the way that the curators like treat the remains is really like it is horrifying like they do not treat the remains as if they're the remains of people. And I think that is the biggest, you know, one of the biggest things that um, Indigenous peoples have had to deal with when trying to collect the remains of, you know, their ancestors is that the mostly white museum curators don't see this as ancestors, right? They just see them as like objects. There's also a lot about like sacred objects that the museum is holding. And so like, things that should only be like assembled during ceremony like a there's a particular pipe that was used that was mentioned in the book it's not supposed to be assembled unless it's in a ceremony and so like there's a lot of really horrific things that are happening to sacred objects and them trying to return the sacred objects to the indigenous peoples which they belong and so it's it's a very yeah there's just a lot going on in the book that i think a lot of more people need to think about and think about how they can support indigenous peoples um, like items from different nations being returned to them because, I mean, as we know in recent events, what was at Harvard still had remains that they were supposed to have returned a while ago. And 
So there are some quotes from actual people doing this activism work in the book as part of the, um, what's the different quotes before beginning of a book? Uh, you are asking the right person at the wrong time. <laughs> like, <laughs> and <it's- laughs> I literally had to take a test on these types of terms in order to officially become an English major in college. And my my memory is absolute Swiss cheese right now. So, well, the those those quotes in the beginning of books. There's one in the front of each like section of the book, and so you can go research those quotes and those people if you you would like. So, anyway, it's a very impactful book, and it's a young adult novel. So, I feel like this is a great way to give to teenagers to start those conversations. So, definitely check out Warrior Girl Unearthed by Angeline Bully, um, narrated by Isabel, Isabella Starleblanc, which I, I didn't even mention how wonderful Isabella Starleblanc is. She is um, a phenomenal audiobook narrator and actress. Um, she's from, I believe she's from one of the, uh, the Dakota Nations. I'm not sure which one, but she's also been cast in the fourth season of True Detective. So I'm excited to see her on screen since I've listened to hours of her voice at this point. While you were finishing up, I did a quick Google search. I was between two terms. It is an epigraph. Okay. Not an epitaph, which is which is what gets put on uh, tombstones, I believe. Uh, that is a good distinction. <laughs> yeah. So I'm like, it's one of the two, and I don't want to say, oh, it's epitaph, and then be like, oops. So yes, I looked it up. Epigraph is the, is the correct word. Okay. Well, I'm glad that I uh, switched up the order of my picks because while my pick doesn't my second pick doesn't deal with the same subject matter it is definitely a more solemn thought-provoking type of read it i think it definitely leans more literary fiction than mystery but i think it, it fits well with with the overall mood and feel of your second pick um but anyway the my second pick is everything i never told you by celeste ng and narrated by Cassandra Campbell, which I, again, I listened to this years ago, probably a couple of years after it came out, because I had heard so much about it on Book Riot. And I was like, you know what, I'm gonna listen to it. And it was a book that I, since I don't typically go for literary fiction, I was, I was just like, well, we'll see how it is. And the audio version was so compelling. It was so, it was so good. And Interestingly enough, Cassandra Campbell is one of the most, I think, one of the most well-known audiobook narrators to the average person. Like, she narrates so many things. And her narration, for me, can be hit or miss. For example, like, um, she narrated the audio version of uh, Henrietta Lacks, and I loved that one. But she also narrated the audio version of Bird Box, which I did not like as much. I don't think that one was as good of a fit. But anyway, she really did a great job with this one. And so this book, like the first sentence of the book is, Lydia is dead, but they don't know this yet. So it's it it, it starts very differently than, than you might otherwise expect from a typical mystery novel. Um, and in fact, this is more a story about... Family, family history, generational history, racism, and family dynamics that happens to have a mystery at the center. And so basically the story, you get the history of Lydia's parents, uh, Marilyn, who's white, and James, who's Chinese. And 
you see their experiences that they had growing up, their experiences in their marriage, how their own histories influenced their desires for Lydia's future. Um, Marilyn wants Lydia to basically fulfill her dream of being a doctor, uh, which Marilyn was not able to do. She kind of ended up being a, a homemaker instead. James, because of his own history, he wants Lydia to be popular, to have a lot of friends. He wants her to be well-liked by everyone because that was something that he struggled with. And when they do find that Lydia has drowned in the lake nearby, it really unravels the whole family and the other siblings. And all of the dynamics really kind of come into sharp focus. Um, and so you kind of go back and forth between understanding what the how the past led to the present. And I remember feeling like when I was when I was listening to this book with Celeste Ng's writing, I felt like she, I, she her writing was like an arrow that just went right to the heart of what the issues were. I just I just felt like she had such a razor sharp eye for these characters and how their relationships with each other, you know, how what they were affected by, how they affect other people and taking a lot of complicated issues and really kind of pairing them back and getting to the heart of like what's happening at this story. And I remember talking to one of my former coworkers about it cuz she had read or listened to the book, I can't remember which, and she in her initial thought was like, you know, it was good, but you know, it didn't really do anything for me, but I was when I was talking about it and she was listening and she was like, "You know, you're right. I think I like that book more than I thought I did." But yeah, it was it was one of for me it was a very like quietly surprising book. Again, because it's more outside of my usual reading interests, but it was a very powerful read. The fact that this was her debut novel is just astonishing. And I think this is a it's definitely more literary than mystery, but it does get included with with roundups of different mysteries um and whatnot. So I think this is a good crossover book for people who maybe don't read a ton of mysteries, but enjoy having some of those elements there, or mystery readers who want to broaden their reading horizons. This this book was just really, really um, incisive, and I haven't had a chance to read her other books that have been published since then um, just has not been the right time uh, in terms of my my having enough reading spoons, basically. But... I I really, really liked this one. And Kendra, I know before we started recording, you said you read this one. You said it was one of the few books that you actually read in print instead of listening to audio. Is that correct? Yes, I read it in one sitting. It was one of those, I, I had it out from the library and I sat down and I started reading and I didn't stop reading until it was over. It was, it was so good. Yeah, it's um yeah really good. It's not a super long audiobook. It's just it's right around ten hours. So I think good chunk of time, but not so long that it starts to feel like it's dragging. Yeah, it was um it kept me company on my on my commutes to work, and so I listened to it a lot when I was driving to work. Um and yeah, I really really enjoyed it. So if you haven't listened to it or if you've read it and would like to experience it again in audio, um, that is Everything I Never Told You by Celesting and narrated by Cassandra Campbell. Well, those are our four picks. Shall we jump into new releases? Yes. Do you want to go first or do you want me to go first? <laughs> I could go first. Yeah. 
give you a break. Uh, <laughs> From yapping. <laughs> All right. So my pick is uh, a book by Augustina Basterica, and that is 19 Claws and a Blackbird Stories. Um, you might know this author from uh, her book, Tender is the Flesh, which I heard is a very um, gory horror novel. I have not read it. Have you read Tender is the Flesh? It's on my list. I have heard that it's gotten a fair amount of attention on TikTok, actually. That's really, it's really interesting to see what TikTok decides is going to be like an it book. Yeah, it came up on some lists and I was just like, really? Okay, interesting. Yes. And it's not telling me who is uh, translating the book this time for whatever reason. Do you see a translator anywhere? I do not. But it is, I do believe that, I, I read what, who her translator was for Tender is the Flesh, but I did not see anything for this book. Well, I will go ahead and put the translator's name in the show notes so people can go check out the name of the translator. But I'm so fascinated to see where this author goes next. I think, I think that she's just doing something very creative and, and clever. And I don't know, there's just a book that even though... It's not my kind of book. I still am in, kind of invested at this point to see where this author's career goes because the conversations around Tender of the, uh, is the Flesh. It was so interesting. So um, folks definitely need to check out 19 Claws and A Black Bird by Augustina Basterica. Okay. And my new release, I debated about making this my main new release. And I said, ah, heck with it. I'm doing it anyway. Riley Sager has a new book coming out. It's not <laughs> summer if Riley Sager doesn't have a new book. It's and true. You can, yes. Uh, my gosh. I am, my husband and my in-laws typically, because my birthday is on July 5th. And that's usually when when his books come out. And if they ask me for for any birthday suggestions, I always give them Riley Sager. And I usually end up with it. Um, so Riley Sager, his latest book is called The Only One Left. If you have not read any of his other books, well, you need to change that immediately. But each book dives into, it takes a different horror or thriller trope and crafts a story around it. And it's very obvious, like, which movies and books are being recognized in his stories, but he creates a new, you know, a new story around it. They're not, they're not deep books. They are highly entertaining. They are popcorn books all the way. They are so much fun to read. Um, final Girls was about serial killers and, you know, the final girl being left at the end of the massacre. There's one about summer camp that's really creepy. There's like an Amityville horror style story about a family who abandons a supposedly haunted house in the middle of the night. And this one is a gothic horror with about or about a fictional true crime or a fictional crime that has a lot of parallels to the Lizzie Borden murders, which I'm like, well, I don't even need to know the plot. I'm reading it. But in this in this story, um, you have Lenora Hope. And at 17, she uh, murdered her family. And she becomes a kind of the subject of like a jump rope chant or a nursery rhyme, almost like Lizzie Borden took an axe and gave her mother 40 wax. Uh, this one is at 17, Lenora Hope hung her sister with a rope. And so this, this these murders took place in the late 20s in Maine. 
And most people assumed that she was responsible, um, but the police were never able to prove it. She said she didn't do it. They weren't able to definitively tie her to the murders. So she never went to jail, but she's never uh, spoken publicly about the crimes. Um, She has never stepped outside the mansion called Hope's End, uh, where the massacre occurred. And um, now uh, fast forward to 1983, and then you have Kit McDear, who is a kind of uh, an in-house assistant, and she has she's there to take care of Lenora after her previous nurse fled in the middle of the night. Lenora um, is in her 70s. She's in a wheelchair. Um, she's unable to talk, um, and she can only communicate with people by, you know, Tap, she uses a, ty- a typewriter to tap out sentences. And so one night, she writes out the sentence to Kit, I want to tell you everything. It wasn't me. And so Kit is kind of helping her, you know, tell her story. But it becomes clear, obviously, that there is way more to this than people understand. But then when Kit finds out more information about why the previous nurse left, she's like, wait a minute, I don't think Lenora's telling me all the truth. Yeah, and so things go downhill, essentially, from there. Um, I have loved every Riley Sager book. They are just fantastically entertaining. I am so excited for this one. I cannot even tell you. And that comes out on June 20th. So that's next Tuesday. So if you're listening to this this episode the day it uh, gets pushed out, you still have to wait a few days. But um, definitely pick up The Only One Left by Riley Sager and any of his other books that you have not read yet. That's your PSA for today. <laughs> well, those are our picks. We did it. Yay! Awesome. So that is our show. Thanks to all of you for listening. And of course, a heartfelt thanks to our wonderful sound editor, Jen Zink, who always makes this sound wonderful. For show notes, you can head over to bookriot.com slash listen. For more book recommendations and bookish goodness, head over to bookriot.com. And don't forget to check out our full stable of podcasts at bookriot.com slash listen, or just search Book Riot on your podcast player of choice. If you want to send an email with feedback or show suggestions, you can reach us at redordead at bookriot.com. Otherwise, you can find me, Kendra, on Twitter and Instagram at kdwinchester. And you can find Katie on Twitter at kt underscore library lady. And we will talk to you all next time. Bye.